<laughs> Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Simon, as you all know, and it's my family back there, and my wife, my daughter. We're really glad to be among, among you today. And uh, my, I'm Nepali, as you know, and my accent is kind of different. And you might not understand sometimes. You can ask me later what that means. I'll explain it to you again. So we have been here for, uh, I've been here for three months, and she has been here for almost four months. And uh, we have been coming to the church, having some blessed time, and meeting some nice people, different thinkings, a lot of different thinkings, met some Kurdish friends. It has been a very awesome and blessed, blessed time here in Nepal. So we are actually here to tell you about my country, Nepal and our expert and what we are doing in, back in Nepal. So you can see in the figure right there, there is a red dot. It's the whole world, and look at Nepal, between two countries. Like, like, it's like a meat in the sandwiches. Two big countries, China and the north, and India and three sides. And um, uh, I mean, it takes, I, it's my first time here traveling on the plane for all, that long time. It takes around 22 hours to get it all the way up here, and, and three planes. Whew, that's exhausting. I've never felt the sense of um, what is, um, jet lag before. And I was just get home and just sit there and just fell asleep while sitting and doing something. I never felt that before. <laughs> and thanks to the family that they took really good care of us today. Uh, so here are some interesting facts about uh, my country that I want to tell you. So Nepal is the highest, home of the highest of the mountain in the world. It's called Mount Everest. But there's one interesting fact about it, is that Mount Everest is not a Nepali war. It is named after a British guy whose name is Sir George. So it's interesting. It's in Nepal, but it's named after a British guy. But he said, huh? It's Nepali war is Sagarmatha. And uh, Mr. George, he said, don't name the uh, mountain in my name. Anyway, just happened to have a, his name, his last name in there. So, so we have ranges of mountains out of top mountains, top highest mountain. We have eight of them out of ten. So it's pretty beautiful. So next one is is contrasting. Now Nepal is beautiful. And next one is very contrasting. It is illegal. In, I, you guys know about PDF right there, PDA. Public display of affection. It's very illegal in there. So we, we can hold hands, you know, we, but we cannot do more than that in, in the public. Once, <coughs> Corona was in a government office. I think it was uh, immigration office. And then she saw uh, two foreigners in there doing that. And then they got a good um, attention from the policemen. And then they got, let's actually say, bearing from the stick, and they, they were separated for a while. So it is best possible not to do it in Nepal. <laughs> so next thing is, the next interesting thing is, we eat food our, with our hands. The two, two young girls over there <laughs> eating food with our hands. And we use food for every, our hands for everything. We use our fingers. I mean, everyone uses hands. But we use our fingers for everything. Like, uh, we eat our national food. We, we do everything. And it's kind of different here. We use spoons and knives, and 
when I was first starting it, it was very hard to use use fork and knife at the same time. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> it was very hard. And um, and right hand is essentially used to eat your food because it's called pure hand. And on left hand is called on pure hands. It is usually for uh, cleaning yourself after you're done in the bathroom or in the toilet. So, and also we usually use our right hand to shake or both hands to shake. It is most highest acceptable uh, hand shake in Nepal. And we usually have our for for out of the country people we use our we have our national saying hello thing. Uh, say we say we use our hands and say namaste. And that's how we don't even, we even touch our, some, someone else's hand while, while greeting. So next another thing, the amazing thing that I didn't know, I just found out while I was researching for, the, for this, is that Nepal has 123 languages. And I only know one language, that's Nepali. And that is one of the official uh, national languages of Nepal. And a lot of different languages. But we live in, and that's that the picture of, the community is called Newar community with the drums. That's a Nepali kind of drum. We call it a Nepali drum. We call it Madal in Nepali. And they're going through the streets uh, doing some kind of religious program. And they are called Newars. Newars actually are the original local people where we are staying at in Kathmandu Valley. They have been there for more than 300 BC years ago. And they speak a different language called Newari that I can understand a little bit, but I cannot talk at all. So, and there, you, there is there a traditional dress? It's a little bit different from Nepali traditional dress than Nepali traditional dress. So, there you go. You, you have you seen in the picture. Um, and one amazing fact about Newar Newar is that the Newari daughter is that they get married three times. First, they get married to a plant of fruit. So it's called Bel Bibaha. Bibaha meaning marriage. So Bel is a fruit. And then what happens is that um, if the Bel is secure for a long time, then that's a good luck. If it breaks, then they have to do it all over again or they cannot get married. That was the uh, tradition back in the days. But now they still follow tradition, but they don't follow completely through, completely through it. And next one is they get married to the sun. The sun means the bright sun, S-U-N. Last time when I said sun, she, she, she thought it S-O-N, sun. So <laughs> I'm just clarifying that. Uh, <laughs> so, and, um, and then they get, they get married to a man, human. And the other thing that is very, very illegal in Nepal is, uh, illegal but is still going on is, and is very heartbreaking to hear that, is that discrimination between caste. As you know, Nepal is divided into Four castes and 36 sub-castes right there. And there's Brahmins are priests, Khatris are warriors, uh, Baisis and Sudras, they are merchants, and some and the other word, uh, uh, Sudras are servants and everything. Actually, this was the, this kind of caste system was divided by a king uh, to represent people according to their work, to divide people according to their work. And it took a different turn. And then the people who works as servants and I mean, janitors and everything, they were, we started, I mean, upper crust, Brahmin and Khatris, they started to uh, 
discriminate them and then they're not allowed to be in the house. They, they, they're not allowed to touch the food that we eat or if they touch it, we just don't eat it at all. Or we'll, we'll, if they are in the house, we just, they, are, they, can be only, they can only stay in the, in the main door. They can come inside the house. So that was the thing. But it is long way back. But now, time has changed. Law has said it is illegal thing, illegal to do that. But in some villages, which is unreachable, they still practice those kind of things. Um, okay. Uh, next, next fact is that Nepal has one of the fastest, fastest growing, one of the fastest growing Christian. Um, Population in the in the world. I mean, you have heard Korea is one of the most highest uh, Christian-growing population, but Nepal is in there. In Kathmandu, if you come and see, you you'll see churches and believers everywhere. There's churches in every. It's like a, we, we say it in Nepali, like a mushroom growing. Like it's like growing everywhere. It's it's growing everywhere. That is a very blessed blessed thing to 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 hear. Um, and Nepal is. Hindu, basically, it's a Hindu country. It was Hindu country about eight years ago. It was called as a Hindu nation, and um, about more than 80 percent, still now, more than 80 percent of the Nepali people are Hindus, and and all other percent are minority religions like Christians, Brahmins, I mean Buddhist and Sikhs and other religions, Muslims, and then. There's one interesting fact is that although Nepal has all different religions and everything, but we never fought. We have never, we never had any wars on the basis of religion. And you know, in India, they had it in the past. And then it's, we are very, very influenced by India, but we have very religious tolerance in Nepal. So we don't have, uh, they don't come after, after you because you are Christian. They don't, they don't come and uh, persecute you, and that's a word. Uh, they don't come and persecute you because you are a friend. Uh, you are Christian. But there are some of friends, uh, I mean, I have been in that situation when I was in the college. They, they kind of treat you different than uh, other, 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 other general, other religions. So it's, it's been there, but it never affected me anyway. Um, so there it is. Um, so nowadays, there is a new thing about religion in Nepal is that uh, all the religion takes to one God and it's okay. You are, you are Christian, it's okay. You are Hindu, it's okay. They all take you to one, one God. And that is a very, very hard situation because some of my friends are like that. And they say, okay, I try to uh, tell them about Jesus Christ and they say, no, Simon, that's all right because my God does the same. They lead us to the same same place. So, and they are not as open if they are if they believe that all God is one same God, same same place. So it's kind of hard to think uh, to think about that. But we know we, it's we have only one God, and He is the ruler of the world. As John fourteen six said, um, there is only one God. There is one way to the God. All right. Um, so Nepal is small. It's very poor country of the world. I mean, I was uh, doing some Google search and I heard Nepal is, uh, Nepal is a poorest, from, uh, second poorest in the world. Afghanistan, Nepal, it comes right there. So it is poor, although but we have great heart. It's, it's open. We treat our guests as a god, 
as if they are God. So it's great, great country to be. So uh, this is my first time, so she's just <laughs> dictating me where to do what to do it. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Okay, I want to pray in Nepali. And uh, we'll please close your hands. And then after, I think, we'll tell you about our what we are doing there, how God is helping, uh, God is uh, working through us in there. All right. Prabhu, thank you very much. And when you come to the end, you will take care of us. 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 Thank you very much, Prabhu. You will take care of us. You will take care of us. You will take care of us. हमरो हमरो बारे में क्या कुरा हमले क्या गौरे के बारे में क्या कुरा तबे के बारे में अन इस बारे तबे को महिमा उन्नत सके को असल में प्रहार चरण संप्रभु अन प्रहार चरण संप्रभु इसमें तबे ले हमला सहायता करने हैं इसे कृष्ण नमः दशो अम्मेन ऑल राइट थैंक यू सिमोन फॉर द इंट्रोडक्शन एंड प्रेयर सो आई मेरे टॉक टू यू अ ल and kind of a little bit of history of me, <laughs> if you're interested. Um, so for as long as I can remember, my heart has just ached to teach and really to teach abroad. I've always loved learning about country, other countries, other cultures. Um, and even throughout my childhood, I would teach my dolls and stuffed animals. Um, and then through my teen years, I got my first job as working as a teaching assistant in an elementary school. And um, I went on my first mission trip when I was 15 through my old church. Um, and then, of course, that led me to major in education at UTSA. Um, I continued going on short-term mission trips throughout my college years. And one day, I happened upon this church, <laughs> the vineyard. And it was here that I believe God, the call that God had placed on my heart got even more clear. So, first of all, I have to say, the Holy Spirit planted this desire to teach in my heart. Uh, way before I can remember. Um, it was the Holy Spirit that guided me, directed me, um, all, mostly throughout my knowledge <laughs> as I grew up. Um, it was the Holy Spirit that led me to go on those short-term trips. It was the Holy Spirit that led me to join this church. And it was also the Holy Spirit that eventually led me to go on my first short-term mission trip to Nepal in 2012. And that's really where my story, this story, begins. Um, that first day in June 2012, it was really hot. <laughs> uh, June is like the worst time to go to Nepal because it's very hot and sometimes rainy. It's just, it's not the great time. But I looked around and I just had this deep conviction in my heart. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, it's really hard to explain exactly how I felt, but I immediately knew that Nepal was the place that God had called me to live in. Um, I had no idea at that time, what I would be doing or anything else, all I knew is that I needed to come back. So mixed with my passion for teaching and education degree, I started out when I moved back a year later teaching in a Nepali school. And it was much harder <laughs> to teach there than I initially anticipated. Uh, there was just this huge gap between my personal teaching ideologies and the Nepali education teaching ideology. Um, Nepali education, it's all about memorizing. Repeat after me. I say this, you say this. I say this, you say this. I say this, you, and it's, okay, that's not going to help you. You can regurgitate it, but it's not going to help you apply it in life, right? And so I'm 
all about teaching with hands-on, teaching kids how to think, and you know, outside the box. So it was, and it was really, there was a gap because the kids were like, wait, that's not how we learn. And the teachers were like, that's not how we teach. And it was really difficult to explain because, I mean, I was a brand new teacher. I had just graduated. And so I found that I was really, I had difficult nights, difficult days and frustrating nights. Um, I decided, I said, you know what, I'm just going to seek the Lord. And I'm going to ask God, Lord, what can I do to be the change, to make a change, to do something and um, I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to offend or, you know, you know, hurt cultural barriers or relationships. And um, as I was praying really hard about it, asking God to show me what I can do to be the change, uh, the Lord reminded me that he is the change. <laughs> he is the Savior, and I'm the vessel, and he will show me where I need to go. And it's not about me making a change. And so that was a humility check uh, for me, <laughs> a big one. And... Um, so God was breaking me down, which is good. Thank you, Lord, for breaking me down. And my relationship with God started breaking through. And uh, the real breakthrough happened when I began working at the school that I'm working at now. It's an international mission school. It's called um, Kathmandu International Study Center. Is this on? Okay. <laughs> or, in other words, KISC. Um, the school was made for mission families. And so at first I was like, this isn't mission work. And it was really hard for me because I wanted to be out there and But God kept saying, no, this is where I want you. So little history about the school. Those are my students this last year that I had to leave to come have her. But they, those are my students, some of them, not all of them. Um, so the history of the school goes like this. So over and over again, these long-term mission families moved to Nepal. They'd have kids, and they'd have to leave. They'd start this mission work, and then they'd have to go because their kids need good education. And, you know, if you want to be hands-on in the field, you just you can't homeschool. It's too hard to do both. And so they were forced to leave the country. And this school said, you know what? We're going to let you stay. We're going, our mission is going to be so you can be a missionary. And so they started this school with the mindset of we're going to teach mission family kids. And um, they believe, they're very um, up-to-date in research and everything, and um, they believe the same teaching ideologies that I have. And uh, so it was a perfect fit for me for this brand-new teacher. Um, to start practicing all the things that I had learned in university and teaching these kids. So I became the year four teacher, and I've been teaching there for the past three years, and I really love it. Um, recently, they have also promoted me to be a lead teacher, and that's awesome because I'm able to see how a school is run. I get to go to all the leadership meetings, and um, I see how curriculum, how they choose it, all of those background things that you wouldn't normally see. And I also get to learn how that works. We're running a school in Nepal because I see all that kind of background stuff too and working with the government. Um, it really has taken me a long time to realize that this is the work that God wants me to do right now in Nepal. And it really is mission work. I mean, no matter what you do, it's mission work, right? Because that's what we're called to do. So um, I really love teaching there. I love learning about how the school is run and I love my students. They are literally from all over the world. And I love them. <laughs> Seeing them makes me want to. I miss them a lot. Um, God really brought the nations to me in this classroom. I have students from eight different countries in my classroom alone. And in the school, there are 20 different nations represented in the whole school. And not all of them are missionary kids. Uh, there's always two to three students every classroom that are 
backgrounds of Hindu, Muslim, or Buddhist. And that's because although we primarily serve mission kids, if we have room, we're going to open it, right? We're not going to say, no, only mission kids. So if there's room in the classroom, we always open those doors to other kids who want to come in. Um, so I want to share a story about a little girl that was in my class. Um, and she is Hindu, and she's actually from a pretty high, high-end family in the Hindu world. Um, so she was put in my class, and I could not have been happier. She's so sweet. She's a ball of energy. She loves learning. She loves other people. Uh, she's a little behind academically, but is always excited to take on a new challenge. Um, before I finish this story, though, I feel like it's necessary to share with you one of my joys of teaching at this school. And that is that I get to teach them biblical foundation. Um, with that, every morning I share the gospel with my students by teaching them key verses that I encourage them to memorize. I teach them songs and everything. And it just goes through the whole gospel with key verses that they can memorize and so they can recite it. Well, Chitra, the student from the Hindu family that I was just talking about, she really enjoyed that time. She loved memorizing Bibles, Bible verses. And she memorized this one verse that I taught them, which is Isaiah 53, 6. If you don't know, it goes like this. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's really hard for me not to sing it (laughs) because I taught them a song that goes with it. Um, So one day she was having a play date with a friend from the school who was from a mission family. And the mom asked the Chitra, she said, so what are you learning in your class? And she said, I learned Isaiah 53, 6. And she said, well, can you tell me? She said, yeah. And she recited it to her. She said, well, do you know what it means? And she said, yeah, I know what it means. And she explained it to her mom really well. And the mom was just in tears. She said, this is it. I'm going to use this to share the gospel with her parents. So she goes to her parents. And just a little spoiler alert, this has a sad ending. Um, She goes to the parents and she says, so, you know, your daughter, she knows this verse. And. Her parents were like, I am not okay with that. Christianity is for poor people. That's what they said. And so they said, we don't want our daughter learning this kind of stuff. And they were just so upset. And uh, so they pulled her out of my class. And they pulled her out of the school. And um, I was really sad, actually. I had to go talk to the principal of the school because I felt like I screwed up. I was like, I must be a terrible teacher. You know, she just got pulled out of my class. And um, my principal actually prayed with me. And through that time we realized that, no, there wasn't a mistake that was made because God used me to plant this seed in her heart. And, you know, that's what I do. That's my my mission is planting seeds in these small children's hearts so they can grow and share about it. And it was planted. And so we just sat together, the principal of the school and I, and we prayed for her and her family for a few hours that she would, the new school would have a Christian teacher. <laughs> and um, so she would continue getting watered and that she would be able to minister to her parents as she got older. Um, and it's a testimony to me that these kids are retaining information. <laughs> Uh, sometimes as a teacher, we wonder, are they remembering this? Um, and so that was a really nice testimony for me is that because God's word never comes back void. And so even though she got pulled out of my class, she knows the gospel because I taught it to her, and she remembers, and that's amazing. So I love being able to invest in these children's lives, and I get to invest in children from all over the world. And my prayer for each and every one of them that enter into my classroom is that when they, that this seed that's planted will continue to get watered so when they go back to their countries, they can go and impact them. And so I love it, and it's an amazing opportunity. So now Simone's going to share a little bit about what he does in Nepal. <laughs> uh, can you clarify that you are not really 
I get, I mean, I get a stipend, but it's, I mean, it's enough because he also gets paid. So, but we're, and then the vineyard supports us, which is. would be like having a like a job as like a waitress in Nepal in America that's basically the small amount of payment I get for there all right uh, okay that's an old photo and it reminds me a lot of things when I did uh, that's a student that I used to teach uh, I used to teach class four that's what we what we say so um, what government has is that after you finish your plus ten, class 10, you are able to teach this much standard. So class 4, 5 is the high standard I, can, I could teach. And that's a job I, I got before I met Karina. And, and I, we fell in love after that. And we had to go get married. And I had to get only $50 a month. Less than $50 a month. And then and and it's not, it's not a lot. I mean, and she went and uh, called her mom and said, I, I, I know this guy, I like him, and this and that. And obviously, parents, okay, can, she, can he support you? How much does he earn? Stuff like that, right? And then, yeah, and then we, we, we kept on praying, and then I think, I think they did too. And in, the, in, in what happened was I got an interview, and I told my boss, okay, I have to go. I have to leave because I'm getting too too less job. It's not enough for myself. I mean, I I would spend that the amount of salary I have in just one week. It's gone. Paid for food and everything. It's gone. But I was living with my parents then, and that's thankful for that. And then we had faith, and then and I told my boss that I I need I need I need, I need my raise because I've been working there for two years and she never raised my salary. And I asked her, "Can you would you please do it? Do me a favor, just raise a little bit." And then, and and then I I told her, "I I have to leave if if you don't." And I got an interview in the office that I have to go. Would you please do that? I I want to teach those kids, and those those kids they are very precious to me. They still call me on Viber, and then they still text message me, and then and I still reply back, and then we are still in contact. And uh, <coughs> and she she didn't and she didn't pay me for. Her. How many months? And then I okay, all right, I have to leave. And then I went. I was in the in the house, and I got this phone call from my sister. My and she said there is an interview on in a, in an office in an NGO called Tiny Hands Nepal. That's where I'm working at right now. And I always wanted to work with kids. At, and then they had a job opening, not as not working with the kids, but as a account assistant, even though I went there because I, I didn't have anything to do. And I, I told them everything. They, they interviewed me, and then I told them in front of them, see, accounting assistant is not my thing. I'm not here for that. I want to work with children. And Tiny Hands has a lot of children homes, about 14 of them, and I want to work with them. And then and the boss, I, I don't know what he saw. He just said, okay, you work for this for now, and then later on, I'll move you up to the children's home department. And then I worked there for almost around seven, eight months, and then and we and our office moved, and we moved to a new office. They bumped me up to the children's department. And I'm currently working as child opportunity coordinator. That means I work with the children to find out their colleges, 
the schoolings, and uh, I work with them uh, with their computer educations, and also work giving them all the core virtues that Christian core virtue that uh, we have: living by faith, living, being stewards, having uh, do how much you can with little how much you have, and praising the Lord at the same time, and um, helping them grow. And I've been doing that right now. And there is after this earthquake, Nepal had a big, big earthquake. So, and our office involved in getting the first demands like shelter and foods and and we went. That, that's a picture of us giving the children with the computer education program. I'm right behind everyone in the side of the door. <laughs> and then uh, we, yeah. And then the earthquake happened, and then our office in, in, inputted on it. We went different places with this with this huge loads of things on the back of a truck and then where there is no road it's very hard to get in there we used to push the vehicle we I, I was supposed i was taking thinking vehicles are supposed to carry us but we carried the vehicles actually we pushed it all the way up in the top of the mountain slowly and then we distributed everything and then our boss my boss actually had a, this idea it's called village development project and i got a email saying that simon would you like to work for this project and i said sure I'm very really interested in, and I think he saw what I wanted. I, I, was, I wasn't in Kathmandu a lot of times when the earthquake happened. I was just moving constantly with, with, with my office staff, and then I think he saw that, and then I said, sure, I, I would love to have it. And then he called me in a meeting, and then we had a meeting. So that's all the project I'm doing at in Tiny Hands right now is Village Development Project. The main idea of Village Development Project is to, uh, mm, what's the word in English? Empower, empower the villagers to have their own, so they can support them themselves. That's that's the main idea of our our uh, this this project. But uh, also, we wanted to our tiny hands is a Christian organization, and we usually, typically, we work with the church of the local village. We use we use pastors because he has more knowledge than I have of the local village. So we got in contact with them, and then we went. It surveyed. I mean, Nepal is very different than here. I haven't seen mountains uh, that big in, in America. But so, what happens in Nepal? There is a house is one on the bottom of the hill and on the top of the hill. So you have to walk around 30 minutes at least to get in one house to another house. We went around, asked people what the needs were, and then we we did survey it. And then in the end, we had a conclusion. We had to have a, a water in there because what happened was in this earthquake, Nepal Nepali mountain contain a lot of water in them. And then sometimes they flow out of the mountains, and like like that. And then they flow out of the mountain. But because of the earthquake, the resources they had, it, it sunk down in the mountain. And they had to walk around more than an hour or 30 minutes, one hour, 20 minutes to get just to get a drinking water. So we we try, we thought that we should invest on that. So we did, and that's me, and that that's our water project. Did you see that pipe over there? It's coming from the top of the hill where they have a small uh, space of uh, water, drinking water available. So we went, hiked up to maybe six or seven, six hours up there in the hills and we could do that because there is no other way to bring that big heavy equipment and take, them, take the water, that pipes line and up top of the hill. And we had to hike up and then if you fall, you're, 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 you'll die. There's nothing underneath. There is no road actually. We just made a road with knife, and then we went, went up top of the hill, and then we came down. And that is what we could do. We could bring that water down the villagers. And that—that's the one who is holding the pipe is a villager 
of the local village. Uh, his after the successful installment of water pipes, and then we're just uh, we're going down the hill. We got tired and we're just drinking water from the, from the same pipe and washing our face and making ourselves cool. So that's another project. Uh, uh, that that's the project that involved in. And there are other projects like we are we're about to do is uh, toilet toilet projects. They don't have any toilets there, so we have to build up toilets there. And then there are other projects like uh, I'm, we're thinking about bringing. Uh, giving them a tanks, a water tank, so they can store that water. That water is not much, but if what we can do is the whole night you can store the water in one huge tank, that means there is a water for, for the whole day. So they, they don't have to worry about, um, worry about getting water and waiting for it for a long time. So there's water there so they can use it. Um, that is what actually I'm doing right now. Did I miss anything? All right, I think that's it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. All right, so you want to go for it? All right, I'm going to share a little bit about um, what we're thinking about for the future. Um, we're still praying exactly. That's a bridge, and I just thought it was cool about future. You know, you don't really know what's going to happen. It's just a bridge near where his aunt lives. Um, but um, anyway, we're still praying about what exactly God will do for do for it in our lives and in the future. Uh, we both love children, and we enjoy working with them, and now we have a child of our own, so that's exciting. Um, and we are hoping to one day start a children's home, and we're talking a lot with the vineyard about what exactly that might look like. Um, we do believe that God's going to use the things that we're doing now when he puts us into the future, and we're still pursuing God to learn more exactly about what his will is for our lives for the next couple of years. Um, this next year... We will be doing what we're doing, what we just shared with you, and we'll, we'll just continue that. And But we're going to be keeping our minds and our hearts open uh, to seeing what God might be doing in front of us. And we're accepting and open to anything, any change that God might bring. Uh, we do want, if you can, pray for us because uh, we are going back in a week and a half. We've been here for a long time now. It's, uh, like he said, three months for him, four months for me. And uh, we're returning, and we have a baby, and it's going to take some transition. So uh, it's it, no, he was even saying, he was like, it's going to be a transition for me because it's just so comfortable here. Yeah. And so um, it, it's going to be a big one. I mean, it was a transition when I first moved to Nepal, and I'm fully accepting of that same big transition because now when we come back, we'll have a baby. So please pray for that time to be peaceful and um, good and that we can... Be ready for the change. That's the difficulties that come in life in Nepal. Um, and also, I want to talk to you. If um, going to Nepal one day is something that you're interested in, I recommend overseas, going overseas if you can. Um, if it works out, then it's amazing. You know, give you that global mindset. And Nepal is just a beautiful country. So we would love to help you and um, get you there and host you if we can. Uh, there's many options. I was just kind of brainstorming with Pastor Claire about ways that people could come. And it just kind of depends on the person and your situation. Uh, if you're a teacher, there's always places to teach. There's KISC, and there's also Nepali schools. And you just have to commit to at least a year because it's not really right for the kids to commit less than that. Um, if you can do that, then that's amazing. Um, you know, Or there's always ways you can just help out schools. If you can only commit a couple weeks and you're not a teacher and you just want to go and see it, you can always commit a month or a week or two. Um, and just help out with projects. We can work that out. Uh, if you are in shape and you're ready to do some climbing, then you can go to uh, trekking. We can go on a go to reach 
the uh, the people in Dotting where his dad goes and he goes as well and um, share the gospel. That would be more of an evangelistic trip, and you have to be ready for some hiking because it's not easy. It's a lot of walking. Um, or we could do we could arrange if a big group of people wants to come, then we could arrange a VBS program at one of the Nepali schools where we can share the gospel to an otherwise Hindu school. I know a guy who works for, he's on the management committee of a Nepali school, and he was like, anytime you want someone to come, then we'll work it out. So um, all of these are options, but you got to show some interest before I start planning something like that. So if you're interested, then please come talk to me or Simone. Um, if you have anything on your heart uh, that you want to talk to, if you have questions about anything we talked about, um, about Nepal, then please come up and talk. Uh, we can love to talk with you and pray with you. She's getting bored. Um, <laughs> um, she almost slept through the entire thing. That's impressive. Um, and, um, yeah, so if you have any questions, then obviously always there's the prayer team that if you have other prayer, you can come up and get prayer. So thank you. Aren't you sad that they're leaving? I am very sad. Um, you know, there's times when you need to invest in something before you even maybe get to see the fruit of it. And this is the couple that we need to invest in. I mean, it shocks me that we're the only church that supports them. I mean, you know, look at us. This is one of those other times I'm just so baffled what this church does, right? And this is one of those times. And um, we need to invest in this couple. And one of the things that she didn't mention uh, we've been talking about them going through um, VI. VI is the Vineyard Institute uh, training. It's a two-year program because they have a, a great deal for missionary and when they're couples. It's amazing, the deal. It's very affordable. And so we've been talking about it. Cause I w- I, one of the things I know is when I went to Nepal and then talking with Karina, not so much with you because, you know, you're you who you are, but talking with Karina, she was able to tell me some stuff that they believe and do within even the Christian church that is really not very biblical. And um, I have felt at times in talking with Karina before she got married that she would be like under attack and really didn't know what to believe or think or do because it was just bombardment of weirdness, the way I learned and what they're doing and whatever. And really felt a strong conviction that they both needed biblical foundation in order to invest in the long haul because I want to see this couple make it whether it's going to be children's home teaching them about Christ or changing their nation through the government or whatever I want them to have the biblical foundation to be able to be there for the long haul and so what I communicated to them is hey you're going to have a baby and that is a lot of transition can we wait till Jyoti's about a year old and then let's go for this VI thing and so we're looking at about $200 more than we're currently giving in order to support them uh, for the next two years to get the biblical training. And it'll be both of them. They both will get the leadership training and the biblical training and the practical training. There are vineyards in Nepal. There's one in Kathmandu. It's not easy for them to get to them and stuff. So they're there. And so they can get a continual support and association there with other vineyards. Um, anyway, the Vineyard Association is right now uh, met in Kathmandu uh, last year, the Asian one that's formulating. And you have to have so many churches that are um, 
indigenous in order for it to be association. Anyway, they're meeting and they're advancing there. So I, I, what I'm saying is I want you to pray about investing in this couple even though you might not ever see the work that they're doing. And um, in, in a year, I'm going to be up here and I'm going to be saying, you guys, we need to raise $200 more a month so that we can get them through this educational training, biblical training, and leadership support so that their work is longstanding. And we can be confident that they have uh, the values and the um, teaching and training to be able to, to do an amazing job. I mean, th- this is little Karina. You guys remember when she came? She wasn't graduated yet from college. And she was, you know, oh, I like that guy. You know, I mean, she's... This is her, you know, and, and now it's them, right? And you're seeing the, you are seeing the beginnings of, of the great work that God wants to do in Nepal through them. And you get to invest in that. So, um, and they do not make a lot of money. We don't give them a lot of money. I mean, I guess it's a lot for you guys. But, I mean, it's just like it doesn't take much to make a major difference in, in this couple and in the work they're doing in Nepal. So... Anyway, you guys are awesome. So I know that she said, you know, what do you guys want? What's stirring your heart? But first, let's pray for them. Can we do that? So any of you, you guys are feeling like charged. Come up here. Even if you think, I don't really know, I'm not, not anybody here in this church. Just come up. If you're feeling that emotion of the Holy Spirit, that feeling, that sense of his stirring in your heart, you need to come up. And bless what you're seeing in this couple and what it's, is to come. No? Okay. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, more Holy Spirit. None of your kids are ordinary. These are amazing, amazing children of yours, Lord. We bless your spirit that is on them and the work that you're going to do through them in Nepal. Father, we thank you for opportunities that you are going to open up to them beyond their imagination, Lord, beyond what they even know how to ask. And so, Lord, we just ask for your imagination to visit them in dreams, Give them more than they even have spoken this morning. Give them more, Lord. More of your imagination, more of your creative dreams to filter through them. Any others here want to pray out loud? Karina and uh, Simone, I'm seeing tools. And God has given you all the tools that you need, and he will continue to bless you with the tools that you need, whether they're physical tools or mental or whatever. Your love and your passion will not go away. And so we just thank you, God, for what you are doing in Simone and Karina. And we just pray that you would fan that flame 
We thank you that you have blessed them um, even mightily now as they're starting out as new parents. We thank you that you've blessed their marriage, Lord. And we thank you for the gifting of administration that Karina has demonstrated in, in keeping in contact with her, her supporters, Father. And thank you for this church, for the vineyard that um, has been their, their mainstay, their, their support, their floor, um, their um, just being there for them, Father. Thank you. Thank you for the part that you've given me, Lord, and being able to invest in this family. And I just pray that you would continue to let them know that they're not alone and um, that your spirit is with them at all times, Lord. And we just thank you so much for what you're doing, Lord, um, in Nepal through them. I just bless you in Jesus' name. Papa, we're <coughs> well aware that uh, a new marriage, a new baby, um, a multinational marriage, there's a lot of, of challenges that they face uh, just in their humanness. And then as well as uh, spiritual leaders, as those whom you have called in uh, with missionary call. Um, and so I just welcome you to enrich and infill them, empower them for even the task of raising a child, the task of, of, of marital interaction, of growing in love, growing in communication skills, um, wrestling with the cross-cultural values and expectations, um, and, and finding the way together through the menagerie that they, will, that they face every day, uh, very different than what many, most of us face, uh, the culture, um, um, just all of those many aspects. And so empower them, Lord. Give them the goods to do what they can't do on their own, uh, to, to push through, uh, to find the way on, even when things are hard and like not understandable even. And so grace, grace, grace upon them. Empower them, Lord, to go way beyond. And, and you've provided so many passages that speak of giving more and doing more, seeking first your kingdom and the rest of the things being added. And we just welcome you to accomplish that for this family and in, in their community, in their uh, city and in their country of Nepal. Show us the way on as well. How are we to partner? How are we to support and participate? Uh, future aspects of a, a home, uh, properties, finances, uh, director oversight. Lord, a lot that will come in the next few years. Let us as a church be faithful and let you gather others, other churches, other places, networking uh, that can uh, be a part of a fruition of 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 work and of fruit. For your glory, God, in that that uh, country, 80% Hindu, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of opportunity because there is tolerance. But uh, that piece of information uh, that Simone gave us about because of the acceptance of all religions and the tolerance of it, that it's kind of like people don't, well, my God does the same thing. Well, he doesn't. We mm. know. Right. <laughs> And so resource them with uh, understandings and means for how to speak and relate um, 
Yeah, and send Steve Seibert there again. Hmm. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right, so um, if you were filling, they were talking, um, a pull in your own heart for missions or a call to saying that, you know, I really want to be a missionary where I'm at here in my work, in my, my school, my neighborhood, um, and you want them to pray for you, would you just come forward and, and let them lay hands on you and pray for you if you're needing some understanding what this all means. There's stuff swirling in my head, and I want to know what that means. And, you know, come on up and get some prayer. Okay, sounds good. You see, next week's going to be good. All right. Father, I ask your blessing now upon um, your people, that your spirit, Father, that you would infuse us with more of you, that we would surrender ourselves to more of you. Lord, we've got problems in our own life, but we want to surrender them over to you, allowing you to have lordship over every aspect of our lives. And Father, just bless the work that you're going to do through all of us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.